Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. Please be seated. Thank you, Pastor Norman Jess, for such kind introduction, such a great welcome. And uh, we just really love you and value come to just really appreciate what you're building here. What a great church this is. Fantastic church, and it's a privilege to be here. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world right now. I'm really glad to be here with you. And just thank you so much for what you're doing here to break through. It's, it's tremendous. And uh, we gave to you, and you're also giving to us. It's one of those things in New Zealand of standing up and believing. We don't have to copy the world. We can be original. We can break out and be original. And uh, it's fantastic. Pastor Pete and Bev, well, you, you're the legends because you have broken through in our nation in ways that no one has done before. And uh, I just want to honor you tonight. I've just watched you just go from strength to strength. And uh, your church has impacted every church right around our churches all over our nation impacted. And you personally have impacted so many lives. And, and there you are, strong as can be, and out there on a wild hog. Isn't it fantastic? <laughs> I love it. Fantastic. So really honor you tonight. It's a great joy for me to have my brother. Uh, Steve and his wife Tara and uh, they are working with partners with us in Hastings and just wonderful to have them here with us and uh, I, did, I was really quite distant from my brother for many many years and then just suddenly out of the blue came to our church and got, they both got saved and uh, it's just been a great journey ever since Amen Well we're in for a great time over this weekend and I want you just to open your heart to all God wants to do and uh, he always wants to do more he always wants to do more, and he just needs us to be willing to shift and change. Are you willing to change? And why don't we lift our hands to the Lord. Father, tonight we honor you. We honor you tonight. You're our Father. We can come and say, our Father in heaven. We thank you for the privilege of being in your family. We thank you for the work you're doing in our lives, work you're doing in churches like this church and around our nation. May it grow and increase. And may your grace be given to us to expand and increase our capacity that we might dream bigger, go further, move stronger, and have a greater impact all over our nation. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, I want you to open your Bible with me in uh, John chapter 16. And uh, we, we're living in great days, great days of change, great days when God is stirring the church to break out. But there are also days of pressure. And I can guarantee that if you will stand up as a king and you will begin to start to discover what God has given you dominion over and you begin to reach out to advance the kingdom of God, I have no doubt whatsoever you will face pressure. And if you desire to expand the kingdom of God, I have no doubt you will face pressure. Jesus said it's with pressure we enter the kingdom of God. I mean, it's hard to get in there, but he's talking about the blessings, the promises, the supernatural breakthroughs of the kingdom don't come about without some pressure around our lives. And so it's not God's unwilling. He's just got to find some people who'll grow in capacity. Grow in capacity. Paul prayed that we would be strengthened with might in the inner man by the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. So if we're going to build bigger and go further, our capacity needs to grow and change. And I want to look at a verse that Jesus spoke of and uh, which he talks about pressure. And then I want to look at a king who faced pressure. And so the Bible's full of examples. The Bible says we can learn from these men in them. We can learn from their example. They didn't all go too good. And I'm glad in this story you're going to find in the first round of pressure, the guy didn't handle it too well. And maybe some of you haven't handled your pressure too well. Well, okay, just learn from this guy. Get up and do it his way. Do it the way God says. You'll start to find breakthroughs come. So let's just have a look at what Jesus said in, in John chapter 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. Peace is not something outside you. Peace is inside you. It's on the inside. And uh, he goes down. Then he says this, in the world, in the world. Uh, we're called to go out into the world and make a difference. We're called to go out and advance the kingdom of God. Well, welcome to the world. In the world, you'll have pressure. So if you want to have no pressure, go to heaven. But if you live in the world and you want to change the world, then you're going to have pressure. Even if you don't try and change it, you'll have pressure. Financial pressure, relationship pressure, all kinds of different pressures come around us. And so if we decide purposely we will advance the kingdom of God, you'll have additional pressure. And here's the interesting thing. That pressure can make you into the man or woman God wants you to be. 
or it can crush you. And you have to decide which it's going to be. I remember we was at, I used to teach in high school and I had a great, we had a lot of experiments. I like to do stuff that people can see. And uh, we get a tin. You can try this. I'm a four-gallon can and you, you just put a bit of water in the bottom of it and you, you boil the water up. When you got the steam flowing out of that can and, and uh, then just take it off the fire and put the cap on. And the most interesting thing happens. After a little while, the, the, t- the can which is filled with steam, the steam begins to condense. And now there's no air no pressure inside the can. And what happens is suddenly, before your very eyes, the can just begins to crackle and crunch, and then it begins to collapse right in front of your eyes. most amazing experiment to look at. And you you kind of look at it and say, well, what caused the thing to to collapse? It looked okay. It's a strong... What caused it just to collapse? And it's just the atmospheric pressure just the pressure of the air around it, and there's no longer within the can the internal pressure to handle what's outside. And as soon as the pressure outside is greater than what's inside, the can begins to collapse. And it'll just distort and crumple, and you see the whole can just crumple in front of your eyes. No one has touched it. But the pressure, the invisible pressure that's in the air around us just crushed it steadily because there was nothing inside it that could withstand that pressure. Like a submarine, it goes down far enough, eventually it will crush because what's inside it can't stand up to what's outside it. Now, we live, see, natural things speak of spiritual realities. There is an invisible spirit world around us. And when you and I decide we're going to align our life with the Word of God, when we decide we're going to advance our life according to God's pattern, it is a declaration of war. It is a declaration by you as a king saying, I will advance the kingdom of God on the earth. And when you make that decision, you are immediately engaging pressure and conflict from the spirit world. And you have to build within your life the capacity to be the kind of person that can come up into the realms of blessing God wants you in. Most people are waiting for God to do something. He's looking for us to grow, to become the kind of people that can carry a mantle of God, can carry responsibility, can carry financial favor. Joseph had 13 years of preparation. Then he rose quickly to a place of prominence, but he had within him capacity to lead and rule a nation. So if you're called to be a king, which you are, if you're called into a place of dominion, one of the most vital things is you learn how to stand up in the place of pressure. You commit to an outreach and suddenly this pressure comes. Someone gets sick, there's a problem at home, financial pressure, strife at work. It's just one thing, pressure. And what will you do when pressure comes on you? How will you respond as a king when pressure comes on you? We're going to look into the Old Testament. We're going to find a king who faced pressure. And I'm very glad to say he didn't handle it too well the first time. We can learn from that as well. Now let's go into the Old Testament. And uh, in, uh, we'll read in 2 Chronicles. We'll pick it up in 2 Chronicles chapter 31. 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 31. Here we go. <clears throat> and it says, uh, we're, we're going to look at a king by the name of Hezekiah. Now, it's interesting what the name Hezekiah means. It means, God is my strength. Or, my strength is in the Lord. That mighty God who created heaven and earth, He is my strength. That's His identity. That's who He is. God is my strength. And so, He's a king. And the interesting thing about Him, when He was 25, He rose up to the throne. And the nation was in a terrible time. Uh, it had the, his father had corrupted the nation, worshipped idols. The nation had come into severe spiritual, moral, economic decline. The nation was in a disastrous state. And here is a young man at the age of 25 launched to become a king. What will this king do? This king has a heart after God. He decided, the Bible says, he walked after his father David. Isn't that interesting? David wasn't his father. 
But he didn't identify with his natural background. He didn't identify with the sins of his fathers. He identified with a man who was a spiritual giant to the nation of Israel. He sought out someone to pattern and model his life on that he could become like. And at 25, he began a program of restoration. Look what it says about him. So Hezekiah did all these things in verse 20 of 2 Chronicles 31. And he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And in every work he began in the service of the house of the God and in the law and the commandment, he began to seek God. He did it with all his heart and he prospered. Notice, he did right before God. Now, he could have looked at his background and said, well, you don't understand. I've, I've got a really tough background. I've had a very bad situation. Uh, and he could have looked back and blamed his father and blamed the, the, uh, the culture of the day. But instead of that, he set his eyes towards a godly king, set his eyes towards God. He did what was right. The first thing he did was he gathered people together and he began to cleanse out the house of God. Then he began a work of restoration. Then he began to restore the Passover. And he set off a national revival. The Bible says that the people were healed under his leadership. God visited the nation and people all over the nation by their thousands were healed. This man sought God and he began to bring revival into his nation. That's what kings do. They purposefully model their life on godly men and women. They stand up and begin to seek the face of God And then they begin to look how they can root out the things which bring compromise and demonic powers into the nation and begin to start to establish godly order. This is this king, and he prospered. Isn't that fantastic, his story? You want to read the story. It's a most amazing story. Renewed covenant, brought national revival. And in everything he did, he did it with all his heart. He sought God, and he prospered. So you think, well, what? this guy's got it great. And he's doing all right. He's seeking God and he's prospering. How many of you know you can seek God and prosper and do things well and still face immense pressure? In fact, after David got anointed, immediately the Philistines came to clean him up and he faced great pressure. The anointing is for breakthrough. Prosperity and blessing of God is for advancement of the kingdom. And so this man was beginning to advance the kingdom of God. He advanced the kingdom of God in his nation. And as he began to advance the kingdom of God in his nation, he became a threat to the neighboring nations. So the Bible, look what happens now. And so it says, after these deeds of faithfulness, isn't that good? So he's doing good so far. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah and encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. When Hezekiah saw Sennacherib had come, and his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem. We'll just stop there. Now notice now, pressure has come. He's doing everything right so far. He's abandoned his family history and background. He's triggered off revival. He's worked to build the house of God, worked to restore it again. The gold had been taken. He restored the gold. He began to restore the things of the house of God. He was building the house of God, triggering off revival in his nation. But the enemy came. Pressure came. Pressure came. Tremendous pressure. This was the major military force of its day. King of Assyria had invaded the other nations, subdued the other nations. It was an unstoppable military power, and it came against him. What would you feel if something like that happened? Well, perhaps that's hard to imagine, but you probably can imagine when you had financial pressure and what that felt like, when you had pressure in your marriage and what that felt like, when you had pressure in your family and what that felt like, when you had pressure at work and what that felt like, when you had spiritual pressure come on you, you felt the pressure coming around your life and not sure where it is. Can't see it, but it's pressure. Well, he had that kind of pressure, immense pressure. Immense pressure. Now, I want to just, we're just going to come back there in a moment. I want to just look in one other place because I found when I looked into this guy's life, when he came under pressure, He didn't actually act too well initially. And maybe you could identify with this. We just look over into 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse 14. You'll see the similar account, but they add something in which wasn't in the other one. And here it is, 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse 14. Now remember, these stories in the Old Testament of natural battles are a picture for us of the spiritual battles we face. 
there is a very real spirit world and spirit powers push against us. And what they do is they manipulate the weaknesses, the sin areas, the emotional brokenness, the vulnerable areas of our lives. That's how they control nations, how they control cities. They do so through filling people's minds and emotions with thoughts, troubling pressures. And so I want you to see how he first responded. It says, verse 14, or verse 13, The 14th year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Then Hezekiah king of Judah sent to the king of Assyria, at Lashes, which means invincible, saying, I've done wrong, uh, turn away, whatever you pose on me, I'll pay. And so he assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver, 30 talents of gold. Hezekiah gave him all the silver was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king house. He stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. Now what an amazing thing. He is facing immense pressure. His name means, God is my strength. But does he turn to the Lord? No, he's overcome by fear. He's overcome by the pressure he's facing. And so he tries, he does what lots of us try and do. He tries to trade his way out. He tries to trade his way out of the situation he's in. To trade mean you exchange something you value in order for something else that you value more. That's what a trade is. If I trade with you, I give you something, and in return, I receive something from you. So what did he do? Well, what he was seeking was something from the king of Assyria. He was seeking release from the pressure. What do you do to get release from pressure? What do you do when you face pressure? Do you turn into God to, under that pressure, develop strength and to become a bigger person on the inside? Or do you try and trade your way to get out of the pressure? What are you looking for? You're looking for release from the pressure. What are you looking for? Well, there's a conflict. You're looking for peace. But when you buy that peace, what you're doing is trading something else. And what you trade is very valuable. Notice what he traded. He traded things from the house of God that were particularly valuable in the house of God. When you compromise, you are trading with demonic spirits and giving them right to access your life. It will cost you something. What did it cost him? It cost him the silver. The Bible picture, uh, silver often is a picture in the Bible of the blessings or benefits of our salvation. The peace we get with God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He traded true peace with God. He lost the silver from the house. He lost more than that though. Notice he lost the gold. See? He stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which he had built, which he had overlaid with gold. So notice he lost the gold. In the Bible, gold often is a picture of God's divine nature or of his glory, his wonderful nature, his wonderful blessing. So when you compromise with the enemy, when you compromise in your life, you are trading to get the little bit of peace you want, to get the little bit of release from the pressure, to get freed up from the, the pressure you're feeling around your life and the trouble you've got. Yet what you do is you begin to trade off the benefits that God has intended you to have and possess. The peace of God. When you've done a compromise, you never feel at peace. You always feel troubled and know you didn't quite do right. You always feel a bit guilty on the inside because you didn't handle it well. And if you were true to yourself, you'd know you didn't handle it well either. And you trade the goal. The goal is a picture of the glory, the wonderful nature of God, the, the blessings and benefits that God brings to us. And, and he, he, the gold off the, off the doors. The doors are the entry path. God wants you and I to have entry into His presence, into the wonderful, glorious benefits. He has promised us every blessing, including answers for situations on earth. But when you trade, you give those up. You don't realize what you're giving up. You don't see, because what happens is we get our eyes on the natural. 
We get our eyes on the problems. We fix our eyes on the natural situation and don't realize when we trade off to get peace in that, what it costs us in the realm of the Spirit in our relationship with God and access to His blessings. Done any trading lately? He, he took the gold off the door. The door is always the gateway, the way into the presence and blessings of God. So he lost access to those. You notice also it came off the pillars. There were two pillars outside the, uh, the, the temple. One of them is this. The na- the, each of the pillars, they were quite big pillars, they were overlaid with gold. And those pillars, one of, they each had a name. One of them, the name was God is our strength. Took the gold off and gave up God's strength to try and trade his way out. The other one was, uh, the other, the name on the other one was, God will establish us. So how are you going to face your pressures and and difficulties in life? Will you let God strengthen you and establish you? Will you do a deal? To get momentary relief. Here's the problem. When you get momentary relief or take a short-term solution instead of a long-term approach or strategy and develop strength and capacity, you lose something in God and you don't stop the enemy coming anyway because you'll find, if we go back now to Chronicles, you find the enemy came again anyway. After all these deeds, the enemy came and camped against him again. And Hezekiah saw that he was purposed to make war. Here's an interesting thing I found as I searched the scripture. I found that his father did the same thing with the same result. His father had done exactly the same thing, tried to do a trade with the enemy. And in the end, it didn't work. He compromised his life and ruined his kingship. If you're going to be a king, you have to walk in uprightness. Because righteousness truth, they uphold the king's throne. So we've got to walk upright. We've got to walk godly. And so pressure will come. Jesus said this, in the world you'll have pressure. I didn't finish it though. But he said, be courageous. Act courageously. For I have overcome the world. I've conquered it. And I put my spirit in you and the same spirit that enabled me to overcome is in you. And if you will reach out into heaven's resources, I will strengthen you in the midst of the pressure. So when you, how many have found trading didn't get you out of the problem? Dug you in a deeper space. Huh? And I want, how many can identify that perhaps in some area you have traded just to get a little bit of peace, you traded off and compromised? How many know that? Okay. Very true, very true. Okay, now let's, so now when plan, when that plan didn't work, you had to come up with a better plan because the enemy's still coming. After he's taken your gold and your silver, left your bennet but with nothing there, now he comes to take everything else. So the pressure doesn't ever give up for a king if you compromise. It just gets worse. You may get a momentary relief that you're called to be a king and that devil's not going to leave you alone. You're going to have to take a God. You have to need. You need God to be your strength. He needed to look in the mirror and say, "Who am I?" God is my strength. He needed to discover again his identity, the prophetic destiny over his life, and say, "That is who I am. God is my strength." Well, he must have done it. I'll tell you when he did it, but he had a different plan now. And I want you to see his plan because within his plan are some very simple, very practical keys. And what you'll find is he has a total change of heart. And he begins to approach now the enemy in a completely different way. And you'll find supernaturally God comes in to aid him and God becomes his strength. So we're going to have a look what he did. I'll just open them up for you. And then we're just going to have a look and see how many need to stand and say, well, God, I have compromised God. I have yielded to that pressure, but now I'm going to do it different and stand up into your kingship again. So here's a king under pressure again. Though the first time he's under pressure, he compromises. Now he's under pressure. A different strategy. I want you to see his strategy. We'll open it out here. So when when Hezekiah saw Zennacherib, 
was purposed to come and make war against Jerusalem, here's the first thing he did. This time, he faced what he was afraid of. He faced his fear. He faced up to the situation and made a decision, I will handle it God's way. One of the first things when we come under pressure is to admit, yes, there is pressure. Yes, it's pushing on my mind and emotions. Yes, I'm feeling things under it, but I'll handle, I will take this on. Most of the time we compromise and give away and didn't realize what pressure was there. We didn't actually identify it. Helps you to identify your pressure if you name what you feel. Many times if you just slow down a bit and name what you're feeling, you'll be able to identify what you're feeling. Anxious, fearful, uncertain, lacking confidence, rejected. You'll be able to get out of yourself what it is. Then you can take God's way to deal with it. So here's the second thing. So the first thing, he refused to be intimidated. He faced up to what he had to face up to. Kings, face up to the giants in the land. They're bred for us, Caleb said. Okay, the second thing he did was he refused to isolate. He chose to connect. Notice what he did here. It says he consulted with his leaders and commanders. One of the temptations that come when we're under pressure is to shut down in our emotions and isolate. When you isolate, you become weakened. Isolation is a strategy that leads to demonic structures of death on your life. The wages of sin is death. Death means isolation, separation. When you're feeling the isolation, separation, death is at work, there must be a path back into connection again. Elijah, when he came under Jezebelic witchcraft, inside he became overwhelmed by fear. He chose a path of isolation. He ended up suicidal. Think about that. So this king, number one, he faced the issue. Identified it clearly. Secondly, he connected with supporters. He refused to isolate. If you're facing pressure, you don't need to go it alone. Get a brother. Get someone to stand with you. Share your heart with them. Share what's going on in your life. Share the struggle. Share the emotion. Share then come into agreement to stand together. It breaks the isolation and all the feelings that go with it. So he did that. The next thing it says, he consulted and they stopped the water springs outside the city and they helped him to do that. And many people gathered together who stopped all the springs in the brook that ran through the land, saying, why should the king of Assyria come and find much water? Now, if you have a look historically, what they did was they blocked up the obvious supplies of water, but they dug a cavern which gave an underground water supply to the city. In other words, he ensured his own supply of water. In the Bible, the water often is a picture for us of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, out of your belly, out of hidden places, hidden within you will flow rivers of living water. And he spoke of the Holy Ghost. So a key part in dealing with pressure, you must get in the Spirit. You must get free inside. You must unlock the wells of God inside your Spirit, praying strongly in tongues, setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. Romans 8, it says, if you want to walk in the Spirit, fix your mind there. If you set your mind on your problems, you'll go down into the flesh. So he set himself to ensure he had a supply of spiritual vitality in life. Got to make sure you don't let your prayer level drop down when you're under pressure. Get up earlier. Get praying strongly in tongues. Get your mind fixed upon God. Set your mind in the provision of an almighty God. For God is my strength. And that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in me, quickening me. You have to do something. Get in the spirit. Because if the problem is coming from the spirit realm, you can't fix it by trying harder or compromising. Spiritual pressure must have spiritual solutions. Only way you can get it to happen. I don't know why it doesn't work otherwise. How many have sat down there under a tree and wanted to die one time, eh? A whole heap of people, yeah. Well, it was bad choices got you there. Just make different choices. 
different choices. So he connected, got the water flow going. Now what else? Verse 5, he strengthened himself. Means to fasten on, to seize hold of. So he strengthened himself. In 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, when David came home and his city was overthrown and everything had gone, all the people could do was think they wept and grieved and all they could do was think of killing him. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. You'll learn how to strengthen yourself in God. Why? Because God is our strength. And this pressure coming on you is to grow you to be a king who can have a greater arm of dominion. The very thing the devil sends against you to crush you down becomes the stepping stone to get bigger. If you reach into the realm of God and draw on his resources. Trouble is what usually happens as strongholds in our heart fire up, strongholds in the mind fire up, emotions fire up, and you're a mess. Pass me a bottle of wine so I can feel better. Training spiritual vitality for a headache tomorrow. <laughs> well, there'd be no one in this church does that, I'm sure. <laughs> he strengthened himself. In Psalm 37, 3, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord, do good. Now listen to this. Dwell in the land and feed on the faithfulness of God. Eh? Dwell in the land. Now, what does that mean? Dwell in the land. What is the land? It's the land of promise. The land of promise for us is the supernatural realm of God, where all the promises of God are. Dwell there. Set your affection on the things of God. Set your heart towards God and feed on His faithfulness. Now, feeding means what you're nourishing your soul on. Now, notice this. When problems come, we tend to nourish our soul on how bad things are. Do you notice that? Have a look in the newspapers. If you hadn't noticed, they make money out of making you feed on how bad things are. That's how they make their money. You feed off getting information on how bad things are. You don't find about revivals here or there, do you? You know, you read about Pakistan and you hear all about the terrorists and you think, oh, that's a terrible place. My son went there. We're partnered with a man over there. He's got a church of 15,000. No building, but 15,000 people. Dave had a meeting there and interpreter dropped dead next to him and he prayed over him and after half an hour the man came back to life and carried on interpreting. Isn't that amazing? Next week there were 25,000 at the meeting. Thousands of Muslims gave their life to Christ. You see, we got to feed on things that are good. But if I mentioned Pakistan, you'd think, oh, terrorists, Osama. Bombs, don't go there. Because we feed on the wrong things. There's something in us feeds on negatives. Feeds on the negatives of someone else. Oh, by the way, did you hear? No, I didn't. Tell me more. <laughs> really? Well, I knew he was no good. That's what goes on. People get on the phone and away they go. Oh, I must tell so Away they go. Feeding. Not feeding on the faithfulness of God. Feeding off the defeat of others. What do you feed off in times of difficulty? You feed off the... Notice what it says to feed on. The faithfulness of God. How would you feed on the faithfulness? In other words, feed on an aspect of God's character that he's absolutely reliable, can be trusted, will come through for you like he came through for others. How do you feed on that? Well, you remember the times that God broke through for you and you start to remember them and go back over them and thank God for them. You look at the victories that God had with us. Oh, God's faithful. God. Oh, wow. Look what God did. Wow, God is faithful. Well, he's, he's going to come through. It's going to be okay. Faith will rise if you feed on the faithfulness of God. That's what David said. He strengthened himself. So there's the next thing he did was he built the wall that was broken and he raised up the towers and built another wall outside. He repaired the mallow in the city of David. Just stop there. He suddenly became aware in the face of pressure 
there's some gaps and holes in the wall. Have you noticed? When you're facing financial pressure, that's a good time to have a look if you've got your finances in order. And if you haven't put them in order, build. Notice he found where there were gaps. Gaps in a wall of a city are a big problem if an army's coming. If the army's not coming, it's not a problem at all. But when the army is coming against you, oh, you better get those gaps filled up real quick. So when you're under pressure, it's a great time to search your heart if there's areas of sin that's creating doorways for the enemy to come into your life. If there's areas where you violate a principle, where you're out of order and need to put your life in order. He built. That means he repented. Got on his knees. Repented. Oh my God, I compromised. Oh God, forgive me. He faced on his life what needed to be put right. You know, it's very wonderful to be called a king. But you know, the entrance to this kingdom is through repentance. Blessings of this kingdom flow through humility and repentance. Maybe some of the pressures you're facing, what they're really doing is showing up how many gaps there are in the wall. Time to repent. Time to build. Time to put the word of God and align your life with God's word so the walls are built again in the marriage. Walls built in your finances. Walls built in your character. Walls built in your life. The Bible says, give no room for the devil. No foothold, no ground, no door of opportunity. Nothing he can get a hold of you. Don't do it. He's talking to Christians, Ephesians 4.27. Now notice what he does now. So he did some work. He built, raised up, repaired. Now what is he? He made weapons and shields in abundance. I love this. He prepared to fight. Huh? The shield is to defend yourself. He says weapons. So that's javelins. So he made javelins and shields. The Bible tells us about the shield of faith. You've got to build the Word of God into your heart. Hold it up to push against rejection. Push against fear. Push back on the fiery darts of the enemy. Otherwise someone will set a word and it will trigger off your emotions and you're in bizarre land while you're wondering what that could all mean having a fantasy about what it all meant. By the time you get to talk to that, but I mean, there was a thing, I haven't got it here now, but remember a story, a joke I saw on this guy, goes over to borrow a rake off his neighbor. And as he goes over to borrow the rake off the neighbor, he begins to start to doubt whether the neighbor will give it to him. And he said, well, I've been so good to him, I wonder why he wouldn't give it to me anyway. Well, that's not really fair, and it starts to burn away. So by the time he gets to the guy's knock on the door, and now he's worked up. The neighbor opens the door and he said, well, you can keep your rake. <laughs> he's worked up. He's had a conversation in his mind that was unreal. A fantasy ended up with all these concepts that were wrong. Well, you've got to feed on the faithfulness of God. Walk in love, believe the best. So he made weapons and shields. See? So we need, to make, we need to prepare to fight, offensive and defensive. The, the javelin is a hurling weapon. So if you're under pressure, don't just collapse. Start to rise up, hold up the Word of God, and use the prayer. Start to speak the Word of God. Speak the Word of God. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue broken. You've got to learn to stand up. I observed a bit of passivity here tonight. I was thinking I need to come and get stuck into that. I can feel it sitting on people. You know what it is? It's a spirit you got used to living with. It's not you. You just behave in cooperation with it. Because you've never really seen what it is. You just said, well, that's me. That's us. We do it that way. Really? Really? Now what the Bible says... Clap your hands, all you people. Shout it to God with a voice of triumph. Praise Him. Oh, that's what the Bible says. Uh, say, Praise the Lord. It's called the polite clap. Never brings heaven to earth, by the way. I've been in multitudes of meetings and shown people how to get breakthroughs in some aspects of their spirit life. I've learned this. This is absolutely true. You'll never get heaven to come to earth with a half-hearted offering. You've got to have the fire in it. I found 30 seconds of wholehearted clapping, shouting and jumping will bring the heavens open. It's very simple. Not so hard, is it really? 
There we go. But if you got used to living with it, well then, you're used to living with it. You don't have to. You're just used to. So many times we're used to living with things, never stop to think whether that's really right, and whether it could be different and how to make it different. See? So he made weapons and shields and abundance of them. Get Scripture, memorize Scripture, speak Scripture, begin to start to raise up something against the enemy, and then fire the Word of God at him. Javelins, eh? Something you hurl. You hurl. You hurl words at the devil. You hurl words at the atmosphere. You hurl words. Demons respond, believe me. They know whether you mean it too. They do know whether you mean it. They do know whether you mean it. They really know whether you mean it. They know whether you believe it. So keep doing it till you do believe it. Then they know. Then they back down. You'll do that. I remember I was asked to do a funeral. It was a very tragic situation. And uh, we're in a uh, crematorium. A lady committed suicide. Cut her throat and lay in the bath and locked the door. It's tragic. And I had to take the funeral. I'm thinking, how do you do? What do you do with this? And I was at the crematorium too. So I thought, well, I brought a musician down with us. I thought, man, we'd have some music. And I don't want to have them playing these dirges. We'll just have, we had to bring some music. So I got down there and they, were, they sort of set up and, and they were just sort of, and you could feel this, you could feel the atmosphere of despair and heaviness and grief and death. This before anyone come in, you could feel it in there. And I remember just, they were sitting up and I walked over and suddenly, as I thought, man, that's a spirit in Jesus' name. Fear, death, grief, go. And the guys that were with me said, whoa. Who are you talking to? But you know something? The atmosphere immediately changed. Immediately changed. Kings change atmospheres. Kings know there's a spirit world and know how to defeat that spirit world. Know how to clean up the atmosphere. Make room for God to come. There's many things on the earth only happen when a king stands up and initiates something. I've learned in flowing with the Spirit of God that if you take initiative to act on what God says and you put your heart into and do it, God begins to come in behind it and very soon He's moving and you're starting to follow Him. There's a flow. You have to learn how the way heaven comes to earth. There's many ways heaven comes to earth. And that's one of them. Now, notice what happens. next thing He does. He set the military captains over the people, gathered them together. Notice He gave them encouragement saying, Be strong! Be courageous. Now, what was his name? What was his name? Hezekiah. God is my strength. Now, what's this man who once caved in and traded and tried to, here's the silver, here's the gold. Get the heat off me. Now, what's he doing? Be strong. Be courageous. So here's the other. Speak words of encouragement. Just speak words of encouragement around your life. Speak faith. Speak faith words. People can talk about problems. There's no faith to have problems. Takes faith to see solutions. Takes faith to declare the solutions before you see them. So what comes out of your mouth? You ever listen? I remember we were in one cafe one time and we were sitting there, there's this old farmer and his wife in the booth next to us and uh, we were sort of having a bit of a chat together and talking there and this guy came out. Well, he began to complain and he complained and he complained and every time he opened his mouth, he complained. He was grizzling. We got the giggles. We've been in the Holy Ghost meeting. We're not complaining. We're happy in the Lord. And so he's complaining. We started to get the giggles. And so in the end, we could hardly wait to what came out next. It was hilarious. And the joy of the Lord came out. And we're roaring. In the end, we're roaring with laughter. He's, he's coming out with complaint after complaint after complaint after complaint. After complaint. We end up just, we were falling out of the seat roaring with laughter. And then he began to change. And after we went out of the time we finished, he was actually grinning and laughing and enjoying his time with his wife. But he started off, what he had was he had a spirit around him. And he was speaking the wrong kind of words, which gave legal right for it to continue to oppress him. We just bought different words, a different spirit. Okay? So encourage, speak encouragement. Here's the last one he did. And the last thing he did was, he got into strong prayer. Verse 20, this King Isaiah and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven. Verse 21, then the Lord sent an angel. Now notice what he's done. He's done all these things. Compromise, trade-offs, didn't cut it. But now, he's done something different. Now, he faced the challenge. Now, 
He's connected with other men. Now, he's sharing with them and they're starting to act right. Then God. Then God. God is my strength. Now, he's done things that have activated God. And God does something unusual. This is, he sent an angel who cut down every mighty man, every leader, every captain. If you read it in 2 Kings 19 verse 35, it says, 185,000 strong, mighty soldiers of war killed by the angel. That's an amazing turnaround in the event, isn't it, eh? An amazing turnaround when he did it God's way. See, kings must know how to go out and win the battles of life and to stand up against the pressure. And when the pressure comes, realize it's to grow you. It's just to grow you. God is faithful. And it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, God is faithful. He'll not let you be pressured or tempted above what you're able, but will. But he's faithful. He will with it make a way of escape that you can bear it. God's way of escape isn't getting on a plane and going somewhere. God's way of escape isn't leaving town. God's way of escape is to go through it. Come out a better person, a better king, more capable, an enlarged dominion. Because every problem you won through, you've just increased your dominion. You've just gained an experience that you can use. And what was hard now becomes, oh yeah, I got through that just fine. God was with me. Bring on the next thing. And would you believe it? It's a little harder. But that which was hard before, now is the easy ground. You know, when you go through, I remember I, I did a trip one time. I was, sometimes you do some crazy stuff, don't you? Well, here's one crazy thing. I'm teaching at school, and, I, and these Christians used to do these camps in the holidays. You know, you, you, I can't remember what they are. ICF, they call them in those days. And I saw a, a, a canoeing camp down the Wanganui River. And I thought, that looks like it could be interesting. I've never done canoeing down a river before. That looks like it could be. I need to do something new. So I, it had, I saw on the sign it had, you know, previous canoeing experience essential. And I thought, well, ah, how hard can this be? <laughs> how hard can this be? I thought, that can't be hard. I know I'll get a canoe out and paddle it around in the pool. Yeah, I can hold in. I'm all right. Okay, I know I can canoe. Previous experience, yes. I've been in a canoe. So I signed up. Went there and we went and stayed up there, Pipariki or someplace there, and, and up the Wanganui River. And, uh, and uh, anyway, we get out with the canoes and all in the canoes and the life jackets and all that kind of thing. I said, What's that roaring sound? What's that loud noise? You know? And they said, Oh, that's the river. I said, I don't like that. <laughs> no one, t- I'm thinking river, at least like a floating. I go out there and this thing's moving. There's rocks and there's boulders and the water's around, there's white water. I said, not an easier bit. Yeah, they said, we start over here. So, the, so we got into the canoe. It was quite a nice little bit there. And they said, now you've got to learn to fall out. I don't want to fall out. I'm going to get wet. No, no, you've got to learn to fall out of a canoe. So we had to learn to fall out. So then I had no idea what the wisdom of that was. I'm just trying something I've never tried before, you know. So they load us in with all our gear. I get out. They go out of the ri- into the main river. I don't see it coming. The moment I get in the main river, I'm off. I don't know where. I had three days in that river. Most of it, swimming down it, trying to catch my canoe. Or drying off by a fire at the side of the Wanganui. Now, of course, now it's old hat, it's easy. But at that time, I don't know whether I'm going to live or not. There's steep sides to that place. There's no way out. There's no radio. There was nothing. You were there for three days. But now... Having done the experience, oh, oh. <laughs> that was okay. We can handle that. See, something about having experiences that enlarges your authority. You have to have experiences. Christianity is to be lived, not talked about. I, saw, I heard it the other day. So Jesus said, come and drink, not come and think. <laughs> so the Lord sent a mighty angel. The Lord intervened. Kings need the Lord intervening. And he did. Look what happened. We'll just finish here and then we'll finish this all up. What happened? Well, the king went back ashamed and embarrassed back to his land. Then his own kids struck him down with a sword. And notice what happened. These are the blessings. Because he did it right. Because he handled pressure the right way. Look what happened. Some four blessings. Number one, 
he was saved, or literally, he got a breakthrough. Breakthroughs take something. This church never came about without a breakthrough somewhere. I'm sure, for Pastor Norm, Pastor Jess, I'm sure there were personal struggles and pressures that had to break through by doing it right, doing it God's way. And next thing you notice, it says, in the end of verse 22, it says, the Lord guided them on every side. Divine direction and peace. He tried to get peace by selling out. He didn't get peace. He just lost his gold, and then he still had the problem. A lot of people have traded out, lost their money, lost a lot of things. They've still got their problems. But they come and do it God's way. They're king. And many brought gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Release of finances. Notice that when he got this breakthrough, there was a restoration of things that had been lost. Isn't that great? And finally, you notice here, it says he was exalted in the sight of all nations after that divine promotion. Notice he wasn't seeking those things. He just wanted to break through the pressure. But God, God gives us much more the other side of your breakthrough. He gives more than you expect. Miracles are great after you got them. You can laugh and tell people about those days and how you broke through and stuff. When you're on this side of it, under pressure, oh, different story. Then you break through. Then you have a great testimony of God giving you breakthrough, of peace and direction and God's hand on your life, releasing of finances and blessing and divine promotion. What an amazing thing. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have pressure. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the kings he's about to send to change the world. He's talking to you. If you're going to go out and take on the nation, take on, first of all, things in your own life, in your own home than things in your immediate sphere of influence. And you'll have pressure. When you stand up and say it'll be the way God wants it, you are declaring war and pressure will come. An invisible pressure you'll feel in your mind, thoughts and emotions and spirit. And it's an opportunity for you to step up, stand up, become a greater man of God who can say, the Lord is my strength. He's the strength of my life. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? God is with me. God is with me. God is with me. And we broke through. God is with me. And we broke through. Why don't we just close our eyes right now? Just close your eyes. Jesus said, be of good cheer. Be courageous. For I have overcome the world. I've conquered every situation. Well, I don't know who you're following or what you're following in your life, but you are following something. You could be just following your own ideas, following your own emotions, following your own plans. Jesus called us to follow him. If you're going to follow someone, follow a winner. Follow a winner. Don't follow the crowd. They don't know where they're going. Follow a winner. Jesus said, follow me. I'll make you become something. He said, I've overcome you. There's nothing you can face that I haven't conquered. Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. You say, why should I follow? Well, you're following a winner. You're following someone who loved you. The Bible says Jesus came in as a king and ambassador into this world to show us about another kingdom called the kingdom of heaven and to bring that kingdom into the earth, the kingdom of provision, of breakthroughs, of blessings, of healings, of deliverance, of purpose in life. And when he finished his ministry... He gave up his life to demonstrate the nature of that kingdom is a loving kingdom and it's a serving kingdom. And there's no greater love could be demonstrated by him giving up his life. And he gave it up for you. Why did he do that? Because right now, if you're not a Christian, you're separated from God eternally. You're living separated and disconnected from your destiny, from your source. And Jesus come to make it possible for you to have life. He made it possible for you to have a relationship with God because after three days, Jesus rose from the dead, even conquered death. The Spirit of God raised him up from the dead. And now the Bible tells us that there's, no, there's salvation under no other name. There's no way we can get right with God except by trust in Jesus Christ. It, to every person who received him, every person, that's you. You say, well, I've got a really bad life. Listen, every person, God just takes you like you are. 
say, well, I've got to put a lot of things right first. No, you don't. You make the first step towards the Lord to respond to Him. Well, you know, I've been coming to church for a while anyway. Why do I need to do that? Listen, coming to church doesn't make you a believer. Giving your life to Christ does. This is your moment to make a decision. Why don't you make the right decision, an eternal decision, to receive Jesus Christ? To everyone who received him, he gave the right and privilege to become a child of God. Tonight, in just a moment, you can become a child of God and have a destiny change. You're born into the family of an eternal king, so you have kingship in you. Your thinking begins to change. Your life begins to change. You become part of a royal family with a great destiny. Well, who wouldn't want that? What's stopping you? What's stopping you tonight saying yes to Jesus Christ? What's stopping you? It's what I'd like us to do while our eyes are closed and heads about. If there's any person here tonight, you're at that place of making a decision, I want to become a Christian, I want to give my life to Jesus, would you raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand so I can see you. Just like to be able to see your hand. Any person here tonight ready to make that decision to receive Jesus Christ? Please just raise your hand right now. God bless. See the hand over there. Anyone else? Anyone else? Here? Just raise your hand strongly so I can see it. No matter what your friends think, they don't decide your eternal destiny. You do. Doesn't matter what your mates think. Just raise your hand. God bless. Anyone else? Is there anyone else? Just, just while we're here, just right at this moment. Is there anyone else? Great chance to make a decision to receive Jesus. Just put your hand up so I can see. God bless. Anyone else? Wonder tonight if there's some you need to come back to the Lord. You've walked a long way off and tonight you need to make a decision to come to Christ. What's stopping you? Why don't you make your way back to God who loves you? I know what he's going to do. He's going to give you a great big welcome. You say, well, you know what I've been doing. I don't care. God says, come. You come. He'll forgive. Is there anyone here tonight and you say, that's me. I need to come back to the Lord. The beginning of this conference, right at the very beginning, I'm coming to renew my connection with God. I'm coming to get my life right with Him. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand right now? Anyone here tonight and say, I'm coming back to the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on, be courageous. Make the right decision. Don't think on Monday I should have done that. Tonight's your night. Just do it now. What stops you? Come on. Worrying what people think? No, you can do better than that. You're better than that. Just make a decision right now. Anyone else? Father, I thank you for hands that have responded tonight. I wonder how many just will in this last part of the meeting now. Uh, you know you've been under pressure, and your response under pressure has been to cave in and compromise, and you know it. Did you raise your hand and say, that's been me? But I feel God speaking to me tonight. God speaking to me tonight. That's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Father, I just thank you for hands and hearts responding to you tonight. Father, I just ask that your presence would touch them as we pray with them. Father, I'm asking for your hand to come upon them. Now, church, this is what we're going to do now in just a moment. On the count of three, I'd like you all to just stand up, and I'd like you just to clap as people who put their hands up. I'd like you to make your way to the front. Maybe you didn't put your hand up, but you can still come. But we want to celebrate a great decision to come to Christ. We want to celebrate a great decision to come back to Christ. We want to celebrate a great decision to put compromise behind you and return to the Lord. Are we ready? On the count of three, let's stand. One, two, three. Let's clap right now. Come on now, please come. Those who put their hands up, would you please come? Make your way to the front. Make a row in front of me so I can pray with you. Please come, please come, please come. Let's make your way. Come, come. That's right. God bless. Come on, let's keep clapping them. Maybe you brought an unsafe friend tonight. Why don't you ask if they'd like to come down the front? Just bring them down. God bless there. Come on. People are still coming. Come on. Come on right down now tonight. Come on down tonight. That's right. Please come. Please come. There are others who need to come as well. Please come. Please come. Please come. You may not have put your hand up, but you can still come. You're making a decision, yes, to God tonight. A decision, yes, Lord. A decision, yes. Yes to Jesus Christ. Yes to God tonight. There are any others? Come, people are still coming. People are still coming. People are still coming. Please come. Please come. Please come. That's right. Anyone else? Not too late to come. God bless. Fantastic. Here's some are still coming. God bless. Fantastic. Good on you. 
Come on, keep coming. Anyone else? Not too late to come. Come on, let's make it a great night. Tonight we get our lives right with God. And tomorrow we enjoy a great feast of the things of God with some top people speaking. Come on, is there anyone else here tonight? That's you. Don't hesitate. Just come right now. That's it. Come on down. Hallelujah. It's wonderful. All right, now just while we're here, I just want to honor you tonight for just saying yes to Jesus Christ. You know what's going on in your life and heart and where you need your breakthrough. You know where that is, and that's between you and God tonight. But firstly, I'd like to just find, is there anyone here and you're receiving Jesus for the first time? If I could just know who you are, God bless you, sir. Anyone else receiving Jesus for the first time? Anyone else? Just Okay, God bless. Radio. Wonderful. Oh, we've still got people coming. That's good. Okay, well, this is what I'd like you to do. Congratulations. What's your name? Sure, that's a great name. It's very Irish. I know I'm from Ireland. I recognize a name like that. <laughs> Fantastic, Sean. God bless you for coming up. We're just going to pray a simple prayer together. I'll lead you and I'll get you to follow. And everyone's going to pray the same prayer. It's called a sinner's prayer to come to Jesus. Very simple prayer to open your heart. When you open your heart like this, God will hear you. He cares about you. He's very near to you. He knows what you've walked through. And he'll forgive you immediately. That's what his deal is. The Bible tells very clearly when we come to Christ, we get born again and God forgives us. Everything, everything. You get a fresh start. You need a fresh start. This is great to get a fresh start today. Church, let's all pray this prayer with me, would you? Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Lord, tonight I turn away from sin. A life without you. I turn to you, the living God. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I open my heart to you tonight. And I give you my life. Tonight I receive forgiveness. I receive cleansing. I receive your Spirit into my heart. And before heaven and earth I declare... Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. Thank you, Lord. You will never leave me. Amen. Father, I just pray for Sean tonight. Pray your wonderful peace and blessing to come into his heart. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I release your peace. I release peace into your heart right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break the power of every tormenting spirit kept you awake, troubled you, followed you, I release you from its power. Father, let the love of God flow into his heart right now. Here it is, God's love and peace. You can feel it all over you. A wonderful sensation. God loves you, son. You're part of his eternal family. His presence just resting on you right now. You feel it. Sometimes it's hard to stand up when happens. You kind of feel like all weak. Isn't that right? So you're feeling. Whoo! Holy Ghost, touch him right now. More, Lord. Fill him with your presence right now. You can feel that come on you. It's the presence of God on you. He loves you. He's joined to you tonight. It's great. Now, the others here tonight, and, and you're under pressure, why don't we just pray a prayer together? We'll all pray the same prayer together, shall we? Now, listen, the pressure ain't going to go away till you pray and stand up on the inside. Now, you can lie down and be crushed, or you can stand up. It's the choice. God is your strength. Are we ready? I want you to follow me in this prayer. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I declare Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. I am redeemed by His blood from every oppressing spirit. So tonight I rise up. Thank you, Holy Ghost. You are within me. Tonight I ask you to strengthen me. I turn away from compromise. I stand up again. And I believe greater is He in me than he that's in the world. Thank you, Lord. You are with me tonight. Amen. Now let's give the Lord a great clap right now. In Jesus' name, we break that oppressing power and release the life of God around you. In Jesus' mighty, wonderful magnificent, overcoming, kingly name. Amen. 
Amen. Pastor. Whoa. Well done, Pastor Mike. Yeah, good start. You know, some of you, you're sitting here and you, you hear something and inside you, you go, yeah, yeah. It's your spirit on the inside going, yeah. But too many of you are like conservative South Islanders. Hey, I'm a root. Well, you know, yeah, you don't want to move though. You want your spirit to be free. So if there's something you're disagreeing, it's witnessing, it's, I agree with it. You want your inner man to speak out and speak it out or activate. It's your spirit on the inside. You don't lock your spirit up. And, uh, you know, you want to stand, but you want to lift your hand because, you know, the voice of your spirit, let it out. You speak yeah. to your mountain. Your mountain's waiting to hear your voice. Yeah. If your voice ain't going to speak, your mountain won't move. The mountain of inferiority, the mountain of Fakamar, the, the mountain of South Island conservativeness. <laughs> yeah, speak to it and just let your spirit free. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so true. The demons know where the... You believe what you believe, and your spirit knows whether you believe it as well. <laughs> it's awesome. Great night tonight. Great start tonight. We've got Pastor Peter, Pastor Bev, our first singer tomorrow morning. Woo! Yep. We don't compare notes. I haven't compared notes, but you'll find that the message, the thread just ties in. We haven't compared notes. So when you hear Pastor Peter and Bev tomorrow, they, hey, they must have got the same script. And what you hear on Sunday, Sunday morning and Sunday night, you're going to think, I've pitched Pastor Mike's notes. But no, 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 it's the same spirit. See, He's orchestrated the whole thing. He's worked this whole thing out. And so uh, tonight's a good night. It's a good start. It's the appetizer. And we're just going to keep eating and eating on the Word of God, feeding on the Word of God. A great thing has happened tonight. It's awesome. So we thank you, Jesus. We just give you praise, Lord, for for um, defining moments, Father, and uh, and for people coming out of the valley of indecision and uh, valleys of compromise. And, Lord, uh, rising up above the trenches, sticking our head up. Yeah, we will be a target, but, Lord, we'd rather be a target and move where we should be rather than hide in the hovel where we shouldn't be. Lord, uh, thank you, kings. When kings awaken, when kings walk the earth, Father God, the earth shakes, the earth trembles. So we thank you, Father, for these kings and for the rising of the king's spirit in this house and in the people that are here. We honor you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before you go, uh, Joshua wants to come up and share something. Just before you go, Joshua's got something really. Joshua just come back from Las Vegas. Hey, like all of us. This fella, now, Ann Bela, I, I thought to tell him, just be careful in, in L.A. It's not gizzy. So they wandered down the street in the worst suburb in L.A., and they get, they got, they get shot at. They have a drive-by shooting, these guys. So they're still with us, but, oh, these. Dear guys, what will I do with you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. We, might have, we must have been too handsome for that community. And they got jealous. I know. All those who are handsome say, oh, yeah, that's right. You're, you, you can identify with my pressure. Okay, just to let you know, people, that tomorrow's uh, session starts at 9 a.m. Uh, sorry, starts at 9.30. The doors will be open at 9. So if we can be seated by no later than 9.25 to show guests, uh, honor to our guests, that would be much appreciated. So remember, be seated by 9.25 tomorrow morning. Eat sensibly tonight. Sleep well. Good night.